Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. Here, freelance writer, player of games, writer of origin, quarter of videos, and a tabletop role playing aficionado. Welcome to the Thursday edition of my bi weekly behind the scenes DM only live stream, Crafting Icewind Dale, which I build right and prepare for our next session of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. If you're playing characters of Robin, Frey, Celeste, Edmund, or Thimbleweed, this video is not meant for you, but for the rest of you. Welcome, assuming, of course, you don't mind the spoilers. We stream our DD sessions live on YouTube every Friday. Watch all of our DD sessions and reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson. And join our official Discord server with invite link into the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net, and for streaming, I use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. Hope everyone has had a good week so far. Temperatures are finally dropping a little bit here in Texas, so I can actually go on runs in the morning with a stroller and two dogs with me, so that feels very nice. I'm able to do that since about April, because it's been triple digits for months and months and months, but finally turning the corner, although Texas also has um, false fall, so I'm sure the angry sun will reemerge soon and blanket us all in its uh, horrifying heat. But for now, we're going to talk about Rebel's End and Journey to the Far Frozen North. And uh, continue trying to fill out this dungeon, anticipate what the player's going to do, probably funnel them along certain areas, maybe turn what would be a very open-ended area into kind of a linear dungeon crawl, which I feel a little bit bad about. But this is not like Kira Denival, where it's a um, an opportunity for the players to uh, necessarily socialize and sneak around. I really wanted to create more of an aliens situation where they go into an area not really at all knowing what to expect and then quickly realizing, oh shit, this whole, what should have been a normal you know, area to visit uh, has actually been transformed into a very dangerous dungeon with monsters running around. And just really as a result of this map being kind of a pain in the ass to fill out as a dungeon because it's so huge and so open, I'm closing it off. Uh, as I see fit. So we're actually only going to be using the northeast and it's so it's like a star shape, I guess. <laughs> so we're using the southeast, the east, and the north. And I'm ignoring everything on the west side, including probably the south entrance. So it's probably better if I switch to dynamic lighting so you can kind of see how I'm doing that. By the way, hello to Nate, Bo, James, Refus. Good for all of you to join uh, on this Thursday crafting stream. So you can see the rubble. I've kind of blocked off the north, west, south. I've opened an area up to the east. So essentially that's really the only way they can go is east. And then that's where I've filled out all of the actual content for this dungeon. We've got 
the armory, we've got the kitchen, mess hall, I haven't decided if I'm going to use or not, I'll probably just use the, this is right now my spawning room for the DM, where I can literally pick up and drop monsters, I'll probably attack them from the mess hall when they get to the kitchen, uh, and then the ultimate goal for the players will be A, to visit Valish Gaunt's uh, prison cell where they'll get some information, and then that's really the only real goal they need, but they need to also learn the fact that um, that they took off via boat to actually get to the Island of Solstice. So I, I'm hoping I can incentivize them to exploring. Hopefully they just want to explore this area in general. Uh, usually they do. Usually this is a party that wants to do the things, which I'm very um, happy about. And that's where I've actually put the boss fight here is kind of right before the docks area, even though I haven't actually placed anything in the docks themselves necessarily. I mean, maybe I could do something fun where Nestle has, um, you know, it might probably be good. It's, it's such a, it's such a funny, uh, villain thing to do. It doesn't really make sense necessarily for the villains to, um, leave anything behind for the players to follow any clues, but story-wise, I think it's very satisfying to do. So I think once they get to the docks, I may have like a I don't know, a magical hologram or something, whatever bullshit I can concoct, that is of Ness Lantamere and Valish Gaunt maybe standing there, mocking, or, you know, and it's not it's not Ness, it's it's Valin, possessed by Ness Lantamere, um, mocking the players and, you know, saying, okay, you can, you know, come follow us if you dare, uh, and all that good villain stuff. So that way they do have some kind of interactable, but it's not possible for the players to actually, you know, attack or, or kill them, so... I think I may actually add something like that to the docks, and that way it's at least as it's not completely empty, and it's, it's a hopefully a satisfying story moment. So I'll put a note about that in my notes. Let's see, hologram of Valen slash Ness and Gaunt, and then I really haven't determined how I'm going to utilize them in Chapter Five yet. You all probably think I, I plan ahead quite a bit, and that is well, if you watch a lot of these crafting streams, you know I really don't. Which I think you should do that to an extent as a DM. I think it's important to plan the overarching plot structure, the different story beats, the different scenarios. But I really don't want to plan um, individual story stuff and characters too much because then I think you run the risk of uh, not letting the players affect the story that much. So... In other words, when I, like, I didn't know, like, Dazan would be with the players, for example, right now, so I'm having to kind of adjust and work with that, and maybe, you know, who knows what's going to happen with uh, Gaunt and Valin and, and Nass and all that at the uh, Grim Scholar Island of Solstice, or how I'll interact with Aurel showing up at the end also, or maybe I can keep them alive, maybe some of them alive, I don't know, we'll, we'll find out, but uh, the nice thing is they're not super critical NPCs, they're really just an excuse to get the players to Grim Scala, and then they will get the MacGuffin item that will be needed to open up the glacier in order to uh, essentially open up the uh, end game. Happy birthday, Sylvan! Dang, that's nice. September 15th. Uh, so yeah, and yeah, thank you. I've well, furnished the map. I haven't really done that much. I've, um, <laughs> I dropped a few rubble piles here and there. I'm not furnishing all these cells. It's going to be a pain in the butt. Uh, I've furnished the kitchen a little bit, just bare bones, the mess hall. I'm not even sure I'm going to use this mess hall. The armory, just really, really basic shit. I think I threw cots uh, here in the uh, hospital section. Just the bare minimum because this map doesn't have it, which is really annoying. 
Yeah, that's a good one. A message, uh, some alacrum that dissolves after tainting the party. What do you mean by taint tainting the party? <laughs> uh, I can do something to them, you think, with the... Or, oh, taunting. You probably mean taunting. Um, yes, I, uh, I, that, I think that's a good idea. That's probably what I'm going to be doing. Simulacrum. How do you say it? Simulacrum. 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 Yeah, simulacrum. Um, uh, that's actually would be in keeping with the kind of body horror thing, but maybe not necessarily Valen slash Nessa style either. So we agreed that I think we're going to unleash some more chest bursters in this room. We've got a bunch of dead bodies. My rules for chest bursting are just like a lot of the alien movies that released over the years, whereas it essentially is, there's no hard and fast rule. It's basically whatever is narratively convenient and cinematically exciting. So um, technically I wrote down that it could be like 40, 12 hours or something. So it, it gives usually enough chance that probably averages, uh, I don't know what the average is, but like a day or something, but who knows when this happened? Who knows when these guys got infected? The players don't know that. So it's up to me. And yes, it just so happens they're all going to burst together. Uh, it's like a bunch of, you know, friends, uh, often get pregnant around the same time. Uh, in fact, we are, uh, our, my D and D group, we all had kids in 2020, which is pretty funny. So I'm definitely going to unleash all these chest bursters on the party. I think right now, let's see. We did one at the end of uh, last week's stream. If we do one, two, three, four, five. I'm actually going to add another one because we've got Dazon here. So let's do one more of these. And these guys are pretty small and crappy. Generally, one attack is going to kill them. I don't know why I saved the spectator up here. Uh, but with pack tactics, they could still be pretty fun. One more over here. Two. layer. Okay. So that'll be a quick little fight just to help make things exciting. All the bodies will burst. Now, here is an interesting thing that I I don't remember if we talked about this on Monday or not, but I think I am going to let the party um, switch off the security system. They have this. They have access to the security system right here, which is a little tricky because it feels like something you should actually um, fight for. I made two consoles just because it looks better on the map, but in fact, I can do the thing with the security system with the two people on opposite ends. And right now there are um, modified clockwork huntsmen's, which I turned into automated prison guards. This is from Tomb of Beasts, I believe, because I've got these net cannons and I basically lowered their hit points, but gave them multi-attack and upped their offensive hours. Uh, that are uh, patrolling right now because the security system is on. However, if the players, so if the players leave the security system on, they'll have to deal with these because they really don't have a way of um, bypassing them. I like the idea. I think we talked about this on Monday as uh, having it some be some kind of like magic tattoo system. So it's not just a simple item the players can loot from the dead bodies and instantly become immune to the uh, constructs and security systems and stuff. Maybe there's a, a deeper process for that. And yes, I'm sure at least one of the party members will attempt to slice off uh, a tattoo from a dead body and put that on themselves. I don't know. <laughs> As a DM, I'm not sure. Maybe there's a deception check involved with that uh, that I, we could probably do, which would be interesting. Um, but, we, all, you know, all the party members have to be able to do that. But, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for a fun role-playing. I don't know. I'm willing to play with them a little bit on that one. But otherwise, that would be a fight. Or they can shut. They can choose to shut down the security system, which would shut down the lights. I think I'd probably just turn global illumination on at that point. Um, and then these patrols would go back into these little 
alcoves, which I noticed aren't used for anything, and that can just be where these patrolling, uh, or the, these automated prison guards are kept. So I've got four of them right now. They patrol in pairs of two. The idea is they, you know, incapacitate and, and take down anybody who's roaming around. So what I like to do is combine the prison's security system features with the fact that there's these vicious monsters rolling around. And the players may not know it, but they basically have a choice of which one they want to face. So if they don't turn the security system off, they will most likely have to face and fight uh, these automated prison guards. If they do turn the security system off, then those prison guards will wait, um, deactivate, go to the alcoves, power down, and then the players will be able to explore around a little bit, but I will unleash a nice little wave of Kruthix because the security system is what was keeping them at bay from this area for the time being, at least in this outer area, um, so I can unleash that attack. Um, I will also, I'm leaning towards having another fight while they're in the prison cell looking up uh, Valish Gaunt. There's going to be a lot of fighting in here because I, I feel like that's the best way is these hit-and-run tactics uh, with these Kruthix and the fact that I've got a, just an infinite amount of them waiting in the wings because there were dozens of people here that I can just unleash these different waves of, of fights and really wear down the players. Hopefully the fights are dynamic and fun enough where they don't get, they don't find them too tedious, but hopefully they'll be broken up by, like I said, the patrolling guards and th other things the players can do. So uh, that'll be a fight in, and keep in mind, while they're in the cell, uh, there's an anti-magic field. So as soon as you walk into this cell, which you can operate via the security console, uh, all your magic items turn off, all your magic spells become null, like you can't do anything. So that would be a really fun opportunity, of course, to unleash a fight on the players when they're temporarily stripped of their uh, magic stuff. And of course, the enemy doesn't give a shit because it's not magical at all. So I definitely want to take advantage of that. In terms of where the cell is, I don't think it matters too much. Um, if I want, I think I, yeah, made this rubble here, so maybe I could put it more towards the north, because that way it forces them to go south initially, and at least around a little bit, so maybe I, it actually makes sense to put the cell, like, here a little bit, and, and the thing is, they're not going to know which cell it is, because the numbers are merely marked from, uh, whatever it is, 1 to 24, I think there's 24 cells. Whereas the cells themselves on the outside, they have the number of the prisoner on it. So the players would actually have to um, walk out and check the book. I mean, maybe I can rule that there's a, a handbook somewhere that has that information. Um, I will probably also have a little bit of a you are here map. Um, so the players can at least get a, a taste of where they need to go, right? Versus just wandering around completely. Or maybe it's beneficial to have them wander around. What do you all think of that? Should I give them kind of a little uh, map that they can check on in the security? I mean, it feels like the security command is like the best room uh, to look at. And I feel like that's very that's a very aliens thing, too. It's like, okay, we know we're ne we, ne we need to go. Here's the map. And we have to get from this point to this point. But, of course, it's going to be Danger City along the way. So I'm kind of liking the idea of, of giving them at least some, like, not, I don't have an actual map to give them, but some kind of notation that, like, hey, you know that the, um, the rooms, because they mentioned this last time, and that's that's information I gave the players, which was that Valin, possessed by Ness, was uh, given quarter in the counselor's chambers, which is down here at R7. Not actually going to fill these out. It's going to be all rubble and ruin. But in other words, the players will want to make their way down there. And I've opened those two paths are available. They can either go south and then east, or east and then south. Both paths will take them into... 
the kitchen area where I can then unleash the kitchen thing. The armory is right there. So it really makes sense to be able to give the players that information. If I don't, then they will figure that out anyway because I've blocked off the other areas. And if I also don't do it, that gives me some advantage because then I can kind of ambush them at multiple points. So there's kind of advantages and disadvantages to both of those things. Um, at the moment, I have not kept any prisoners alive. I could be tempted to do that. I know some of you have talked about um, possible prisoners to keep in here that we could have alive. Bare minimum, I do want to have some cooks survive, which is down here, hold up in this room. They've just randomly, you know, they're, they're just the survivors the players can come across. Um, and they, more, most importantly, will have information as the cooks. They see a lot of what's going on in the prison, um, and they were able to kind of see... Uh, you know, I'll, I need to have make sure I give them random names and, and give them uh, some information, namely about the fact that uh, this, you know, the woman, uh, Valen, who they're going to keep, you know, referring to as Valen, although the players know better, um, that she seemed pretty shady and was up to no good. And then, um, you know, during the chaos, maybe one of them saw um, her, you know, enter Baelishgaunt's cell or, or so. I, don't, I need to figure out um, his cell would probably be oh maybe all the cells are open i don't hmm how did she actually break valish gaunt out because uh, that would be a clue for the players if only one cell door is open then they'd be like okay that's probably the one we need to go to that would be interesting storytelling maybe they were able to so she um because the problem is she doesn't want to. She could possess a guard, but if she does that, that means she leaves Valin behind, and Valin is a spellcaster, which, with my own DM rules, kind of uh, amplifies her own abilities. So she would be loath to leave Valin behind to possess other guards. So instead, maybe during just the chaos of everything, um, she was able to slip inside this command center. Maybe she was ushered, you know, with other dignitaries. Um, to like quickly get in here when things got really bad and then she was able to slip over and uh, open the door or maybe even she caused mass chaos by opening all the cell doors and thus um, a lot of the prisoners would have escaped and caused even more problems so maybe I could put some more prisoner bodies out here and actually display the fact that they're all open uh, do I want to do that? I was going to have a burrowing Kruthik, yeah. Um, one of the cooks is definitely going to explode into a Kruthik, because that's just fun. We're, one of them is going to be wounded, for sure. And then, um, obviously, I've got all these Kruthiks here, so I'm planning on having another fight at some point, again, when it's very cinematically fun, when we're in the middle of this role-playing session with these cooks. Definitely ambush them with a whole bunch of Kruthiks coming out of, like, the mess hall and coming out of everywhere. It's going to be a fighting. Uh, I just can't quite decide what I want to do with this central area. Uh, if we Because in order to escape with Baelish, she would have to have at least opened his cell. Or, maybe not, maybe the Kruthiks just started burrowing into everyone. That would be pretty dangerous, though. She would want to rescue him before they got to the point of burrowing through cells. Because she doesn't actually control... Uh, the Kruthix at all, she just unleashed this, you know, devastating plague, essentially, and took advantage of the chaos. Hmm. 
if she opened all the cell doors, that means I would obviously have to show that uh, to the players. They would be able to tell that all the cell doors are open. Um, I feel like the security probably would have closed them pretty quickly, even when things were really bad. Um, it probably could have just reclosed them, so I could have them be. I could still have them be shut. I don't necessarily have to be that obvious with the storytelling. If she opened them, maybe not necessarily when everybody was dead at the moment. It would be an interesting moral quandary to have a prisoner who was still alive in here and wanted and wanted saving. I could throw that at the players. Um, I'd have to come up with which there there were some prisoner ideas in here, but unfortunately I didn't have like names or anything. Uh, let's see where they listed. I think we went through, I know we went through these on Monday. Spy convicted of espionage. And I, I know some folks talked about, well, you could use like a previous player character or previous NPC. If you guys have some ideas, like from our campaigns, um, I'm willing to hear them. I don't think something like Kethra would be appropriate because she's level 20. <laughs> um, I don't think she would be here. And also, it would be ideal if this NPC was very expendable and not necessarily a critically important, you know, previous PC that I would not want to, not necessarily jack with so that kind of limits things a little bit it would be nice if it was from this campaign that would be more relevant um, I was thinking maybe it's a member of Avarice's crew maybe they got attacked by the Frost Maiden forces at some point and um, you know the a lot of their teams scattered and one of them ended up uh, I don't know, at Revel's End, they had a t it's weird, because they wouldn't be, I feel like Law and Order is mostly broken down in Ten Towns, and you'd have to be a very special kind of criminal to even come here, so, uh, I'm not sure who in the campaign would warrant that, because any, anything that would have happened in the campaign now, I don't think anybody would have the means of even transporting to Revel's End at this point, given what the Charlotte Dragon did, so... I don't know if it makes sense to use a previous NPC, even though that would be the best uh, use of it for sure. Maybe it's somebody who's gone crazy from the... Sh it was one of Avarice's crew who was going crazy from Shardolin, um Madness. And uh, I don't want to necessarily do the exploding into a gibbering mouther thing again, but that could be something. If it's, if it's that same dude from uh, her crew... And then maybe he could give some information on what Avarice has been doing and the fact that they've been battling the Frost Maiden's forces out there. That might be worth doing. Uh, how many people the players have to interact with are like borderline insane? <laughs> it's the madness. The madness. Yeah, maybe. I don't want to get into like some crazy, um, like, this character's from this point in the timeline. That's something that drives me crazy about uh, like MCU versus Star Wars. Like, I like how the MCU is always going forward and very rarely goes back to previous stuff, um, Black Widow notwithstanding. Whereas Star Wars is like obsessed with its own story so much, so it always just regurgitates the same different eras and timelines. And I want to go forward <laughs> and find out what's still happening. No, Kalinar is too powerful, Morgan. I can't do that. <laughs> Way too powerful. I mean, it would be it would be exciting, but uh, I don't know. I feel it, it definitely needs to be somebody that's 
not uh, at the player's caliber or above to be able to be imprisoned here. And I don't think it, that would make it any of the player characters, other than like somebody's random one-shot character, maybe. Um, but I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of like the idea of maybe one of Avarice's crew, just as a way of that person can then report on what's going on from... Uh, from her storyline, which even I've kind of dropped the ball on a little bit. I should have been checking in with uh, Valravin more. I don't even know if they have Sending Stones. I really need to go back and get that information. This would have been Black Swords, I think. I did not update this quest. Fantastic. Um, wow, I didn't put anything in there about Black Swords. Climb Beautiful Mind, Mead Must Blow. That's the Goblin one. Dang, okay. I don't remember the whole, the whole Kira Denival thing with, with Avarice. I'd have to go back and look at my recaps for that and figure out, because they were sent there. That would have been a quest. Was I guess that was a rumor, a rumor and lead and not a quest, where they had to go save the one dude from Kira Denival, and then it turns out that he's part of this group that Avarice is trying to take control of. Like, all of that would be the nice callback that I'm trying to think of. So it's a lot of work on my end, but I think... Uh, RP-wise, it would be pretty satisfying, and if I had that person in prison, so maybe they're not quite insane because they would want to uh, obviously be rescued from the players, and it just happens that they're randomly, and maybe they were just picked up by, uh, you know, they were, I don't know, by a patrol or something that dropped them off here, but he was had gone a little bit crazy from being separated from Shardland or something, and he's almost like a drug addict being kept in the, what is it, drunk tank or something? Snig bat. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be a funny callback. Um, he uh, Chris didn't play Snigbat as a one shot character, did he? Was that a different character? Or was that Snigbat? He played a goblin in uh, that Forge of Fury campaign. I don't. Maybe that wasn't Snigbat. Trying to remember. Watching old TOA game from this group. Nice. So yeah, I'm deciding on what NPC to put in there, but I'm kind of liking that idea more and more. In fact, let's let's pick up the Caradenaval map. No, it's not Caradenaval. It's um uh what's the what was the keep called? Keep at Caradenaval, right? <laughs> that works. Here's an old map. Everything's as it was last time. So it would have been that Huarwer, I think was his name. What was the... He just looked like a cultist, didn't he? Okay. Well, let's just use that then. Just copy and paste your ass. Or it could be that tiefling chick that he fell, fell for while there. What is this? Is this just a different... That block I use, Knight of the Black. Oh yeah, that's that one. That's the that's the dragon cultist looking. Yeah, we can use the actual cultist that block looks fine. But, uh, yeah, okay. I may come back on there. I think he wasn't forged. Okay, that's sounding familiar. Mostly. You know, I mean, I could have if I want to do environmental storytelling, I could have some of the prisoners outside to where there was a big. Prison escape. You know, all the doors opened for a moment, and then they were able to run out of there, and then that's how she got, uh, she got him out. Maybe.
Maybe even more dead bodies around here. And yes, every dead body is a potential chestburster. But not, I can't have that be all of them because then it doesn't make sense of like, okay, why are there adults laying around if all of the, if all these ones still have to, you know, explode. So I need to be careful with that. Careful with your chestbursters, folks. Dead bodies all around. All right, so I think we're going to use one of Avarice's crew, and that way he can report on that. He can provide a moral demo for the party and be like, hey, please save me. Um, there was a big prison break, and but then, you know, the security alarm turned on. Uh, you know, somebody flipped the switch, and then some folks attacked, you know, ran out. There was a huge battle, but then these creatures started, you know, bursting out of some of the people and prisoners and I don't know whatever the story was maybe maybe she was able to infect some of the prisoners um like when they were in the courtyard or something I don't know but I did mention the fact that they they kind of started in the in the hospital so maybe there was one guard that fell ill and started bursting out and then the hospital turned into the which is where the main boss resides now so he would know information too um Mm, do we even need the cooks now? That's interesting. But yeah, I'm still gonna use the cooks. Does she have the clout to gain entry? Yes, she does. Um, so I did tell that much information to the players. Uh, she, because she's possessed as Valen, and Valen is an official member of the Arcane Brotherhood, so she was able to come in as a visitor and just say, "I need to speak to Valish Gaunt on official Arcane Brotherhood business." They look it up and say, "Okay, yes, he was a." Uh, you know, that makes sense, um, and we can confirm your identity. Uh, obviously, this is not an era where they can just phone the Arcane Brotherhood and verify that she's still an acting member, but they just kind of have to assume for now. And, you know, it's everything checked out on their end, so they didn't think anything of it. So they let her in and let her, you know, even visit Valish Gaunt and everything. And uh, how she was able to smuggle in the creature, I don't know. She's got all kinds of magic spells she can do, whatever reason. Um, she was able to get it inside and and really just let it do its own thing and start, you know, uh, making sure that it at least, you know, killed one or two people and infected them. And then she was just there and she just knew ahead of time what was going on. And then at some point while it was, you know, the attack started happening and, and really the prison starts putting it on lockdown. Uh, then she gets into the security command center because a lot of the safest areas up in this tower, um, you know, where the barracks and guards are, and there's this little uh, hall where the counselors all meet and everything. So maybe she was able to kind of convince herself to get in there or in the chaos or like, just get in here. And then she, um, and, and, you know, she's got all her spells available too. I was able to uh, manipulate the security console to open maybe all the doors which would cause even more mass chaos and really fuck things over the prison because now people are attacking left and right and these creatures are attacking people and infecting more people why this guy didn't escape at the moment probably because there's monsters running around and he's like fuck no i'm not going out there um so at least he would be able to know from his point of view some information and the cooks would be able to know um other information yeah, it's almost a bit of an Alien 3 vibe, isn't it? Because this is literally a prison uh, with the alien running around. Alien 3, by the way, pisses me off to this day because they kill off um, Hicks and Newt in the, like, pre 
prologue, uh, which really sucks. And Bishop, I guess, to an extent, is just freaking Ripley again. And I feel like they take like two steps backwards with her whole character development uh, while she's there. So it annoys me to no end. David Fincher, too. Good director, David Fincher. Uh, did not like his version of Alien 3. I read a script that was um, that starred Hicks as the main star, although unfortunately didn't have Ripley in it at all. She her story was kind of concluded, which which kind of makes sense to an extent. Um, concluded in Aliens, and she kind of adopts Newt and returns back to Earth, and then the sequel just stars uh, Hicks and Bishop. Alas, we never got that one. So once they go into this corridor, and of course I'm going to play up a lot of the screams and sounds and everything um we've got at least one combat encounter in here somewhere one combat encounter in the cell in the anti-magic cell where they will hopefully realize they need to go uh get information about where gaunt is and what's happening and the information there will be um about the isle of solstice um its location and may and that's the important information they need but then they're still going to be like well let's see if we can catch up to hopefully they'll be like well let's try and catch up to valish and and Ness slash Valin. Uh, and then they will need to go east for that. And that's where I can unleash the armory and the kitchen. And then hopefully the hospital, the docks are up there in the north. So in those areas, did I exit out of Rebels End? I can't ever find these stupid tabs. I did. Minimize them. There it is. Yep. Uh, so the armory... Uh, the Kruthix have not been... And by the way, I changed my Kruthix stat blocks. I keep calling them Kruthix because that's the basic stat block, the base stat block I use. But I modified them a little bit in case you haven't seen. Um, I think I kept their AC and hit points. It seems pretty good. CR2 seems pretty high for a swarming creature, but the player's a level 10. We'll see. If it ends up being a slog, I can always, you know, eliminate a lot of their hit points. But I think their um, attacks are pretty good. Pack tactics is going to be a fucking great feature for swarming creatures, obviously. Yes, they can burrow through solid rock. They go pretty slow, but it does allow me to, you know, spawn them essentially anywhere. Um, I did add, they've got their two stab attacks, which is not terribly impressive, but again, advantage helps a lot. They have one ranged attack uh, that they can use, which is a, a deck save for acid damage. They have the uh, Dilophosaurus spit attack. Here's an interesting feature, because I need them to be able to spread. I'm not using the actual uh, alien life cycle with the facehuggers. Instead, I'm using the red slot. Uh, concept of spreading with just pure attack from the adult. So when the adult attacks you, it can straight up infect you with the egg. But I'm forcing the both stab attacks have to hit the same target successfully, and the target has to succeed on a fair, fairly low con saving throw. If all those things happen, then yes, they're infected by a disease, which is a tiny Kruthic egg, which in my notes I've got mechanics for how that works, and it is very similar to the Red Slot one. That should probably freak the players out quite a bit. However, notice it's a, it's a disease which can be cured by lesser restoration, which the players do have access to. But, of course, I would love for them to spend spell slots doing that. So that is, And, and the odds of them attacking as much as they can with advantage is probably going to end up people being infected quite a bit. Also, for PC purposes, it's not an auto-kill. Same thing, notice how I didn't auto-kill Thimbleweed when I, when I cinematically ripped the... Um, uh, the queen, which is why he didn't explode for days and days and days, because the queen takes a lot longer. Um, I did not uh, have kill him off immediately. I don't like insta-kill effects in general in d and I like the death save mechanics, give the players a chance 
to uh, save people and let the dice kind of play out. So in this case, when it does burst out of you, NPCs, it just kills you, but PCs, it drops you to zero, and then you just start making death saves from there, which is still pretty nasty because you could be at full health and it just immediately destroys you. But you still get to make death saves. You're not instantly killed. Those are the rules for the adult Kruthix. Uh, the baby Kruthix, the chest bursters, which I'm using the young Kruthix stat block. I believe I haven't changed this one at all. They have slightly less AC, a lot fewer hit points. Usually, probably one hit will kill them, but they still have pack tactics and just the one attack. Yeah, I did look at Kythons a little bit. Um, Kythons, uh, they have an interesting thing where they can like make different weapons out of their own body parts and things, which didn't seem very um, thematically appropriate. Also, I'm not doing the Xenomorph acid damage thing. I feel like I've kind of overused that a little bit, and I, I fear that would be... Um, Probably overtuning things too much if I kept it that way, to where every time you attacked them, you would take acid damage. I did that with the Remoraz boss fight, which was pretty satisfying, and I did that with the little freezing shadow oozes, which there were that was a pretty minor fight, but that ended up being the majority of the damage they did. I worry that if I if I add you know a one d six acid damage every time you attack them, things are going to go real crazy with the amount of damage these things could put out. So I haven't necessarily built that in there, but that is a uh, that would be a, an interesting feature to add, but I think that would be probably too much. If I did do that, I'd probably have to lower their AC or hit points or make some concessions somewhere because I think that would be uh, overboard. And obviously, the biggest thing for overtuning the fight, if they're kicking my ass, spawn more enemies. Like, just add some more creatures in the mix. That would be the kitchen encounter where they can find survivors. Um, there's no loot in here. There's just monsters, but there is information these guys can tell you. The armory, however, is going to have loot in it. As written, it doesn't have very much because it's a bunch of mundane loot. They've got uh, halberds, longswords, crossbows, hundreds of crossbow bolts. I guess this is a video game. You could loot all that and just sell it at the nearest store or something, but that's not really how we operate in D&D. Uh, &D. Oh, did I up the... I might have... You're right. I think I did up the damage dice. Thank you for calling me out on that, James. Um, I think I upped... The or did I? What is their original? Let's let's actually look that up. Is it one D? I thought I changed it from one D six to one D eight, but let's see. Let's see. This one has a one D six plus three. Maybe I upped the young Kruthik. But that does sound familiar, unless I changed it in a different sheet. Uh oh yeah, the young Kruthiks have a one D four. Okay, so I did update the young Kruthix to a 1d6. I thought I meant to update them to a 1d8. Hmm, yeah, because that, that was my point, was I was going to up the young ones and the olds. Uh, does this actually go to my Kruthix? Let's make sure this is tied. Got Kruthik. I might have screwed up and added... Gosh. My thing is just a mess at this point. An absolute mess. I added the Kruthik's pretty early. Oh, we can search. We can search. Okay. There's one... 
Rain of Kruthic here. Alright, well I'm going to update that to 1d8 because I did mean to do that. It ups our average damage by 1. It's not game breaking, but I think it's appropriate to do. I, yeah, I think that, I, I meant to do that. I don't know why that didn't take because I did do the other ones to 1d6 and these guys to 1d8, so slightly more. Again, player's level 10, fuck it. Um, my only concern about these swarming creatures is they may have a little bit too many hit points for what I want to do them with, and but guess what? That's hidden information the DM can change. So I, I may play around with their hit points. Maybe the players will be uh, killing them off more quickly if things either get tedious or a little too strong for them. But on the other hand, maybe they can actually tactically retreat. And I would love to be able to end this scenario with having just hordes of them unleashed on the players and forcing them to like run up you know, really come up with some fun chase mechanics because killing the queen in here or dealing with her is maybe not necessarily going to end uh, the situation here. Instead, there'll be just hordes of spawning creatures and I know they're going to want to defeat the queen, but maybe instead there'll be a scenario here and maybe there'll just be so many swarms of creatures that the players hopefully maybe finally realize that we need to GTFO. Although I have never still, I don't think, seen a group properly retreat uh, in D&D. Maybe some of you can cite that as happening previously, but I don't recall without a heavy amount of cinematic, um, you know, like literally, I, I've seen it before if it's like not in combat, like if it's like, oh, you see a bunch of army on the horizon, you need to back off or something like that happens. But if, literally, if they're already in the middle of combat, they've been fighting for a while, and then to choose to retreat, that doesn't really happen. All right, so the armory, which will have warning labels pasted all over it, the usual... Um, magically sealed door that they'll have to get through with the spell magic. We'll have a, uh, this is a clockwork Myrmidon, but I need to change it to call it something else. Uh, let's see, maybe armory, armory guard. But it's, yeah, it's a clockwork Myrmidon. Um, I need to change, okay, why did it? It's uh, stat block a little bit, but the idea is it's it's a larger, more powerful version of the Clockwork Huntsmen that are patrolling outside, and this one's sole job is to protect this armory, which is kind of the only location they can actually get loot from. Well, that's not true. They already got loot, right? They got they got the magic wand, uh, and they got the um, the sack of gold. Armory guard. Clockwork 209, yeah. <laughs> That's actually a good idea. Hi. Hi, special. Oh, who's that special? Who's that special? Yeah. Uh, you call him like Guard 209 or something? That, that'd be, that's a funny one, I'm totally doing that. I see, you've got my remote. The remote. 209. I need to change the token though, because that's usually where it comes from. Yes, excellent reference. Excellent reference. <laughs> I'm a child of a certain genre and era of action and sci-fi movies. Crank my fan up to high. Find that. 209. And yes, thank you to. Uh, <laughs> Thank you to someone Fox for messaging me on Discord and giving me the exact quote from uh, Robocop, which I'm going to use uh, probably not necessarily beat for beat, but a good chunk of. I mainly like that you have 
20 seconds to comply, you have 15 seconds to comply, you have 10 seconds to comply and really freak the players out. I think that would be uh, pretty satisfying. But it would not have the normal abilities of the Clockwork Myrmidon because it's not going to shoot flame or grease or fire fireballs. This is designed to... Um, you turn my light off too. Alright, can you wait 10 minutes? You gotta wait 10 minutes. I know, as a two-year-old, you're great at waiting. <laughs> it's, it's just right in your wheelhouse. Um, but I need to change this because the the guards, and same thing with the Clockwork Huntsman, yes, they can do their normal punch attack, but they would not kill people. Like, they're part of an automated guard system. Their goal is to incapacitate, restrain, uh, knock people unconscious. Like, all of that is on the table, but they shouldn't actually be... You know, burning people alive with flame jets and grease bay. It's a very cool stat block, but uh, it's not what I want. So instead, uh, I think I'm going to replace, uh, let's see, some of its abilities with... Uh, web is a good restrain feature. Um, what are some other good spell-like... about Sleep? Sleep would be pretty interesting, because sleep I don't think has a goddamn saving throw. You could have it just cast a high-level sleep spell. Sleep is also easy to fix, though, because it just... I think, unless it takes an action to wake somebody up, does it? Get your falls. Uh, artifact in order, let's see. Huge Magical Slumber, which, by the way, I don't think Valravan um, is immune to it. Or he, I think Valravan is immune to it as an elf. Hit points, good job. As long as the affected by the spell falls unconscious until the spell ends, the sleeper takes damage, or someone uses an action to shake or slap the sleeper awake. Okay, so it does take an action, which that's a big deal. Automatically, if it takes an action, that's huge. Blind hold person, those are good. Um, stinking, stinking cloud. Man, imagine if your automated security system unleashed stinking cloud. That would be uh, really annoying. Ooh, paralyzed dart. Yeah, something that can like fire. Uh, little darts that could paralyze you with like a DC, that would be pretty good. Which is, uh, functionally would be like a hold person thing, but not a spell, so it couldn't be, um, it, it couldn't be counterspelled or anything. Not that my players really do that. What's wrong, sweetheart? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you scratch something? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Right now, Grease, see your thing. <laughs> I wouldn't. I don't want my automated uh, security system to be making a mess, if if possible. Which web would also be kind of messy. So I do like the idea of uh, nailing them with like a dart that can paralyze, which would be a a uh, wouldn't be wisdom though. Be con, wouldn't it? Be a con saving throw or be paralyzed, uh, which paralyze. He is incapacitated. That's perfect. Okay, so we could definitely do that. Uh, and that one's not messy. Line would be interesting. Yeah, net cannons. And that's what the, the other guys have that too. The ability to fire nets and restrain people. But I do like that. Which I can replace like one of its hands. I like the, the sleep is fun because there's no save. The problem is um, 
you would have to cast the world's highest level sleep spell to affect this party. Right? Oh, sorry. Ugh. There we go. Rolled onto your blanket. Um, because sleep affects versus hit points. So 5d8 is, what, 20 hit points or something? Ha! <laughs> Almost exactly. On average, now it increases by 2d8 for every spell slot above first. So let's say uh, they cast it at third. I mean, what's the average prisoner going to have? Probably not that many hit points. Um, like what are It said nobles and spies are some of the prisoners they could have. How many hit points would they have? Assassin's actually pretty high up there. I'm on nine spell slots. Now you're talking. Oof, yeah, Assassin's got 78 hit points, so they'd have to have ability to incapacitate quite a bit. Seven for spy. And nobles. Oh, nobles got nine. Um, let's say they cast it at fifth level. What is that? Uh, so second level is 78. Third level is 98. Fourth level is 11d8, and fifth level is 13d8. Is that right? 13d8 sounds like a lot of dice. That gives you, boy, that's a big range. Somewhere between 50 and 80 hit points, which, guess what? Still only affects like half the party. Sort of electric shock thing that will incapacitate, yeah. I think that's, yeah, sleep would be fun, but unfortunately it just would not do shit against this group. Because it just doesn't scale uh, into tier 3, like I'm hoping. So I think I'm going to have to ignore the sleep effect. Um, but I do like paralyzing. That could definitely work. Give it a fairly good DC on the con save. Shoot little paralyzing darts. Uh, and then it's got to have some kind of AoE effect. Because it's stat block as written, CR6, and I could even up this up to be a little mini boss fight if I wanted to. Although 150 hit points is still pretty solid. Uh, two attacks, two pick attacks, or two slam attacks, or one of each, or it can do one of its things. So I'd probably replace the pick with literally shooting like paralyzing darts. So we can use that in place of its slam multi-attack. And then, or it could maybe do some kind of AoE knockout gas, which whatever that is. Um, I guess I could use a version of Stinking Cloud that's not literally Stinking Cloud, but isn't that in terms of incapacitating? Or Hypnotic Pattern uh, would be a good one. That one incapacitates too. Con save against poison on a failed save each minute's turn, retching and reeling. Uh, that Yeah, that is specific, okay. Um, what about Hypnotic Pattern? Yeah, what is some like good deterrent stuff that specifically doesn't isn't make a mess? This one does have the charmed thing. Some people have things against being charmed. You create a twisting pattern of colors. Do the answer at 30 foot cube with a range. The pattern appears from moment and vanishes. Each creature in the area who sees the pattern let's make a whiz saving throw on a fail save. Which becomes charmed for the duration. While charmed, that could work. Honestly, a cone of paralyzing darts. So 
Spells don't leave messes once the duration ends, it all goes away. Yeah, that's actually a good point. But still, I have to be very careful with the AoEs for any deterrent, because you don't want to hit, like, you know, friendly guards or anything. Hypnotic Pattern could work pretty well, though. It incapacitates. Uh, and obviously it's got a pretty good range on there. The annoying thing is, if I use that for um, its one attack, that's kind of all it does. But if you can grab everybody with it, that might be worth it. Does have advantage against saves, uh, magic saves. This is not meant to be like a horrible boss fight. This is literally just kind of a mini boss who is guarding the treasure room. Which the treasure room, I am increasing the treasure because I'm also increasing the threat. And I'm not going too crazy though. I'm not going to give them a bunch of magic item stuff instead because it doesn't make sense for the guards to have that in here for guards to freely use instead it's gonna have a bunch of potions in here but you can go pretty crazy with the potions and give them a huge potion stock that's designed for the entire you know guards to use in case of emergency which would be of high use to the players we're talking greater healing superior healing um see invisibility maybe like a flight or vitality or heroism like a lot of buff stuff that would help the guards um, and then I've got some kind of custom potion stuff I'm thinking of using, including um, something that's like a, you can throw it and it does like the web spell, essentially. Which is why I'm liking the idea of having this uh, automated guard maybe unleash a web thing. It just sucks that if I have that take up its actual turn. Uh, so maybe I need to add into the multi-attack a little bit more. Because I'm realizing a lot of times, like, you really want to do them as much as possible on their turn if they don't have legendary actions, if, if they're alone. Nothing goes through that thing. Autolux, Resilient Sphere, that could be good. Not necessarily want to use like crazy high spells. I mean, this is a maximum security prison, but also the players are level 10, and they themselves probably would not be able to be held at this kind of facility. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not. I, I could make it so uh, there is like some really good deterrence here. I mean, hell, anti-magic fields everywhere is pretty legit. Um, unfortunately, I could have there be an anti-magic field in... No, because that would mean the potions wouldn't be working. That would make things pretty interesting, but... Maybe, maybe it has the beholder ability of the anti-magic cone. It just shuts off any fucking magic in front of it. That would be pretty fucking brutal. Because doesn't a Beholder just do that without having to use an action? The Beholder's central eye creates an, an area of anti-magic as the anti-magic field spell in 150-foot cone. I wouldn't have that big of a cone, obviously. That would be pretty big. It just, like, opens its chest and it's, like, kryptonite coming out that just turns off all their magic items. That would be fucking crazy. That could be really effective. Anti-magic field. And, you know, maybe it's only for... Uh, you know, a 20 feet or something, but still. If it has the ability to restrain people and then do... But how does that interact? Uh, then I can't unleash its own spells. Uh, then I'd have to keep all of its stuff mechanical, which I could still use the paralyzing darts if I wanted that. So maybe instead of having all these spells, it uses a bunch of mechanical stuff that still has that kind of... Like, it, it shoots nets, it shoots the paralyzing darts, but then it has this anti-magic cone where it just shuts off all magic... Um, wherever it's facing, so I'm actually kind of liking that idea more than having it unleash a bunch of spells. 
if they decide to go in here at all, of course. But yeah, so I've got, this is their one area of loot, and it will most likely be a fight. I don't see them being able to get out of this one. Um, this is the, this is the upgraded model. This is the Guard 209, damn it. Yeah, it should be all mechanical because of the fields. I agree, so I like that idea. So just use all mechanical stuff, no spells, but this one actually has the ability to project an anti-magic cone similar to the Beholder, just not as big. It's a great idea. Literally copy and paste this. The mechanical guards, literally mechanical. And I'm changing its freaking ice pick, like, hand too. That's, that's probably going to be just firing darts out. I was, I was thinking it was going to be a claw that could shoot out and grab people. Um, and then maybe the darts just come out of its shoulders or something. Cone. Let's see. Guard 209. Open its chest. Revealing and I don't know, projecting Cone of anti-magic, as is the anti-magic field spell. Uh, what's a good cone size? 20-foot cone? 30-foot cone, sort of each of its turns. Alright, nine sides which way the cone faces and where the cone is active. Alright. Used to have arm cannons. <laughs> yeah. Which could throw... Um, you can have it throw nets. You can have it throw paralyzing darts. I just got to decide how much it can do in one turn, basically. But it's certainly not going to have all of these features. But we are really getting to the point now where I'm having to modify a lot of creatures to make them work for Tier 3. But also to fit with the theme of this dungeon, because... This is definitely an incapacitating creature. And that's one advantage they have of fighting these creatures. They would not, when they down you, um, you would probably not actually be doing lingering injuries or having to roll death saves. They would just knock you unconscious. But still, that's hit points being lost. All right. I think that's as far as we can prep for now. I'm assuming, hopefully, the players go south instead, like explore these doors versus going north. Uh, into the boss room. I will have a brief thing prepped there, but I don't think I'll even prep the boss yet. I think we'll save that for next week, but I think we've got plenty of content um, once I fill out the actual story stuff uh, for uh, this Friday's session in Revel's End. Thank you all for joining me. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Stan, William, I'm Lab, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Role, Christopher, Brian, William, David, Jammin, Clams, Christina, Corey, Koa, 1337, Jacob, and Eric. And at Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy, Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast, Like a Tortoise, Scott, Humanoid, Size, Sphincter, Stephanie, and Refus. Thank you all very much for your support. See you all for D&D. night. Thank you.